So really good evening, welcome, I'm Tim, and welcome to newcomers and those who are kind of trying us out and that sort of thing, and I hope it's been a good day for you. And any in the house ran, ran around Cheltenham getting hot this morning? Some? Nobody? It's always, always quite exciting, the half marathon in Cheltenham. I came down the road, walked down the road this morning and uh, the crowds are out cheering and um, there's usually some in the, in, the, in the house who have been running, maybe they're resting. And that, anyway, I hope you've had a great weekend and uh, summer's arrived, which is good given that it's September. And um, there was this, a couple of thoughts just to get us going, which connect with the theme for tonight. Uh, there was this beautiful wedding yesterday. Some of you are involved in it. Jamie and Anna got married. Wonderful, wonderful time. Uh, very, very worshipful in here. Uh, like tonight, so vibrant, joyful. And I was talking to somebody later at the reception um, who said to the effect uh, that they'd never kind of been part of a church like this or hadn't, you know, it wasn't the experience they were kind of expecting. And although they were kind of gracious and polite, they said words to the effect who are you people? <laughs> In so many words, who are you people? You know, what are you about? I'm even going to say, I wonder if there's some in the house who, who might echo that tonight. You, you, you found yourself drawn into the building. You're not quite sure why. You were just trying us out, wondering. And it kind of started okay because the coffee's pretty good. You got a bit of Rocky Road. The person you're talking to was pretty attractive. And then it all went a bit weird. And, <laughs> and the, the sort of version of Christian karaoke happened. And what's that going on? Except it's not, is it? There's something behind that. And people seem to be engaging in a way which you're not sure about. And, and then what's the deal with the, with the blood and the body? What we get to eat? That's weird. That is that cannibalism? What's going on there? And I'm exaggerating a little bit, but there may be some in that place. We're a big group. There's always some, you know, just kind of, and by the way, you're incredibly welcome. Really, really welcome. So that was one thing. Second recent incident that got me thinking about the theme tonight, we, we uh, hosted a couple of Japanese language students, or students who came over to improve their English uh, recently, and over many conversations in the evening, which were all about uh, the differences in culture, UK, Japan, food, um, you know, family life traditions, you know, contemporary kind of conservative traditional values around in Japan as well as TikTok. They knew all about Marmite. How do they know all about Marmite, TikTok? I mean, just in, so interesting. Underneath all of it, to be perfectly honest, I was kind of thinking, yeah, I'm trying to work out, I'm trying to figure out who, who are you? Who are you? Who, who, what is shaping who you are? What are you believing? Why are you believing it? Where's that coming from? What are the influences that most are informing your life? We ask ourselves the same question, right? Then uh, I'm reading a biography of John Wimber. He had, a, he had a word on this kind of who are you kind of question. He just said, I'm a fat man on my way to heaven. If you don't know who John Wimber is, you need to find out who John Wimber is. He's behind, frankly, probably the, mo the most influential church leader of the last 50 years, behind so much of the way that in churches like this and HTB and New Wine and Soul Survivor and the Vineyard Movement, we kind of come to this understanding that God uh, gives us his word and his spirit and the t they're the twin tracks on which we run. And then uh, there was uh, the football manager. Praise the Lord, the football season has started. Uh, don't tell me the Arsenal result. Uh, and then there's the football manager who, who was quoted, and I heard him say this, uh, I'm uh, first and foremost a football manager. That's who I am. It's what I do. It's what I think about. Who are you people? Let's turn that in on ourselves. Who are we people? Who are we? We're spending three Sundays just having, allowing the Lord to, to deepen us and remind us, in a sense, of who we are, or at least who he calls us to be as his people, fundamentally, therefore, what we're about. Because that, obviously, for any human being, then determines so much of the business of how we go about doing life. 
doesn't it? Who we think that we are, what we're about, that determines so much of, of how we speak and act and live in the world. So back to the football manager's sentence. How would you finish it? First and foremost, I'm a what? What, would you, you know, what goes through your mind when you hear that? What's my life mainly about? Turn the I into a we. How would you answer it for us, for this local expression of the body of Jesus Christ called Trinity Cheltenham? If you consider yourself part of this family of faith, this local expression of the body, many don't because you're trying us out, but many do in the room. You're part of the family. So how, how would you say, who are you people? Who are we people? How would you begin to answer that question? Well, we're having a little look at that. Just a few. There's many, many answers to it, but just over these three Sundays, having a look. And I'm going to begin with the verse I was given as a kind of launch pad for tonight. It's in Mark. Mark's account of the life of Jesus, uh, chapter 12. It'll come up on the screen. And one of the teachers of the law, one of the religious kind of leaders, asked Jesus this, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one answered Jesus, and he's quoting here from the Old Testament scriptures uh, from Deuteronomy, is this one. Hear, O Israel, hear, pay attention, listen up. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. So love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these, he says. This is number one and two. And I'm thinking that September now, early, early September, I don't want to put it on everybody, but it's a little bit like January, isn't it? It's that time of year where we have even more of a little bit of a, a sense of transition, perhaps from a summer into something new. It's a bit of, for most of us, it's a new term, it's a relaunch, it's a reset, it's a new role, it's a new job, it's a different year at uni or whatever. And often accompanied with that is the sense of, and what am I about then? What are some of my goals? What are some of my plans? Some of my hopes? Some of my thoughts about the next few months? Typically, many of us kind of think in those terms, don't we? What lies ahead? What's on your list, I wonder? Well, Jesus is pointing to two priorities. They're the top two priorities, according to him, for all human beings, for all time. They head the list every day of every year, not just... September's this this overarching kind of under girding all embracing all encompassing life transforming little innocent word called love 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 explicitly love God priority number one who are you people what's the greatest commandment love God and then love Others. I'm going to focus on the first of those uh, more explicitly tonight. And I don't really have time to unpack the, the first reality, but I always like to say it that we only love because God loves us. So often in our individual way, we like to think that we initiate stuff and that we're the authors of, of good stuff. Well, to many extents we are, but God got there first. We're only here because he loved us first, right? We, you chose to come tonight. Yeah, but this, this whole building only exists because he loved us first because he loves us first. Just a couple of headlines on this before I move on. But Ephesians 1 says this beautifully. Long ago, even before he made the world. Hello? I know these are big concepts to wrap our heads around. But God loved us and chose us. He decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus. And this gave him great pleasure God feels great pleasure about what he's done and actually over us. I wonder if some of us, even tonight, we've felt again the the fresh affection 
of the Father. We're going to be praying for that. So we're made in his image, sure. But more than that, the scripture says, paraphrasing, the reason that the whole universe exists is because God made it in order to make us, in order to love us, in order that we'd be part of his family. The most important truth about you isn't that you love God, as important as that might be. It's that he loves you. It's that he loves me. Who I am, my first identity, is I'm somebody who is loved by God. The primary reason that you and I even are alive is that God made us to love us. He made you to love you. It's the most true thing about you. So before anything else that we do or don't do with our lives, the first purpose of my life is to be loved by God. I love the way that we, I, we can condense it into two words which have had a great impact on my life. Live loved. That's extraordinary, isn't it? When you begin to unpack that and think about that. Live loved. To the extent that we know the love of God. Live love. Live from that place. So our biggest problem actually is not that we don't love God as much as we should. It's, it's that we don't understand and experience just how much he loves us. But Jesus then go, goes on. So these words that, that we just read, very familiar words. Love God with everything and love people. Sure, they're the great commandment. That's what we sometimes call them. They're the great commandment. I think they're more appropriately called the great response, aren't they? Sure, they're a command, but they're not just a kind of a do, don't, should, shouldn't. They are a response to all that God has done, to all that he is, to the love of a creator father, into whose family, if we've accepted the invitation, we have been born again because of Jesus. And we've just celebrated that beautifully right now. So first and foremost, we're God lovers. We're called to be. You people, who are you people? Well, you people are God lovers. First and foremost. Alongside a whole bunch of other identities. But first and foremost, love God. It's who you are. And not in a kind of vague, wishy-washy sort of a way, but this is super challenging, isn't it? With, as it says on the screen, with all your heart and mind and soul and strength, by the way. All your heart, not a divided heart. This is so challenging. Of course it is. I know that we're sitting there going, yeah, I know, I know I'm supposed to love God, but with all my heart, all my heart. Wow, so challenging. Not a divided heart, not a heart that gets uh, sort of portioned out to different things, that sets its affection on some things and not other things, that gets distracted. Yes, God, in a moment, but actually next minute... Arsenal Football Club, or you know, what's in the fridge, or you know, my body, or whatever, whatever, whatever. Not a divided heart. The enemy, by the way, will always tempt us towards false comparisons. Always. What, love God more than I love my wife, more than I love my kids, more than I love you know, my, my, my parents or my friends? What, love, them, love him more than all of that? That kind of priority? It's a false equation. The implication is that if I love God more, then there's somehow less love to go around for others. Actually, the exact opposite is true. C.S. Lewis said it brilliantly like this. He said, if we put second things first, second things first, then we lose both first and second things. But if we put first things first, then we get second things thrown in as well. And then here's the key bit for tonight. And he goes on in the same passage to say, so to love you... For me to love you, my neighbor, my friend, my wife, as I'm called to, I must first worship God. To love you as I'm called to, I must first worship God. The sentence goes on, it's not on the screen. We said, when I've learned to worship God better than my earthly dearest, I shall love my earthly dearest better than I do now. So do you want to love your friends better? 
Do you want to love your family better? Do you want to love your teammates better? Do you love, want, do you want to love your, your neighbor, your, your uni, the people next to you in uni or school or wherever better, your, your, your colleagues, even those who don't like you very much? Do you want to love them in the way that Jesus loved? Well, learn to love and worship God better. It's our highest goal. We're God lovers. And I'm pretty convinced in the room of this that there are many of us here who long to know more deeply and profoundly the love of God in our lives, the love that the Father has for us. I I believe there are many who want to experience just a greater greater depth, a greater security, a greater of all that is released when we know that we can live loved. I know that there's many in the room yearning for that and then wanting to grow deeper in the way that we love him as the foundation of our lives from which everything else is touched and, and colored and, and influenced. I know that that's true. Is that true of you? Would that describe you? But if you're anything like me, how you experience the love of the Lord and how you love him is not as much as we'd love for it to be that straight line graph that just kind of go consistently builds and da, 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 it just looks like that. It's just not that, is it? It's this. It's just a bumpy ride in the experience of, I think, all of us. Go back to the early church in, in Ephesus, uh, which I always think has similarities to, to, to Cheltenham. And you might recall that uh, John, Jesus' closest friend, he's with the Lord uh, at a particular period of time later in his life, and he receives a message from the Lord for this church, where Paul has spoken a lot about love, and they, they did great things, and it crops up in, in the book of Revelation at the end of, uh, of our Bibles, and I'm just going to read some verses from Revelation chapter 2, they'll be on the screen, where, where, where the Lord says this to this you know, pretty decent church, if we can call it that. He says, I know your deeds, and I know your hard work, and I know you're about your perseverance, and I know that you can't tolerate wicked people. You know, you're doing your best to kind of combat sin, to fight against bad stuff, and that you've tested those who claim to be apostles but aren't, trying to exercise discernment and you found them false and you've persevered because life is tough but you've kept going you've endured some hardships for my name you've not grown weary you've still got some energy you're doing some healthy things but I hold this against you says Jesus strong words you've forsaken the love you had at first maybe familiar words to some you've you've lost that first love You've lost, you've misplaced, it's gone. That first love, that top priority, that love God with everything, it's gone missing in action, literally in action, because actually you're doing a whole bunch of good things. You could, you know, paraphrasing, there's plenty in your community that's commendable. You know, you're, you're, you're doing a whole load of, of healthy activities and they're good and you're ministering to people and active and trying to bless the community and so on, preach truth and endure suffering without losing hope and keep propping each other up. And all of those are good things. And yet, this is Jesus' words, there's something fundamentally just a bit, uh, just a bit off. Don't know if it's true of everybody, but he's talking in, in, the, in the you sense of plural, as the Bible so often does, the, the, the sense of everybody, not just individuals. Something off, and it's that you've lost your first love, this top priority, it's gone missing. Well, if that's you right now, if, that, if, if you identify with that, something about losing your first love, something about not being up here in terms of your experience of God's love and you loving God, but somewhere lower down, then there's good news right here. Because there's always good news when we open God's word and are open to God's spirit. 
in the language of, of popular culture, obviously, and, and, you know, and TikTok and Hollywood and so on, my, my first love and loving from the heart, they're almost entirely about kind of sex, chocolate, and feelings, and romance, and, and all of that sort of touchy-feely stuff, right? So in that sense, uh, not the sex bit, by the way, um, the, um, my first love would have been Abigail, aged about six, I think. Um, you know, plenty of feelings going on between me and Abigail behind the science block or whatever it was at school. That's, that's not what we're talking about. That's not the first love that is being described here, all, all the touchy-feely Hollywood uh, sort of stuff. The Bible understanding of heart here, and we really need to get this in our, in our age and culture, is not a cute red thing that appears on a Valentine's card. As lovely as that is, you know, don't hear me diss romance. I'm all for romance. I'm quite romantic. But heart is more, is more the biological thing on the, on the right-hand side, the, the, the dirty, great, ugly muscle that will be familiar to, to you gym bunnies and, and others. It's at the core of a body, and it supports a lot of other systems. And yes, emotions are involved in this, this heart concept. Love God with all your heart. But it's not really referring to that first love that is all about the, the beautiful but short-lived dizzying period when, you've, when you become infatuated with somebody. As lovely as that is, but it doesn't last. And it's not meant to. That immature kind of in, initial buzzy, you know, feely, touchy-feely thing. It's not that being swept off our feet. So sure, emotions are involved, but it's so much deeper than that, isn't it? And I need to keep saying that. In a, in a fairly touchy-feely generation where we're surrounded by the idea that our feelings can, can run our lives. It is referring, though, here, isn't it, to the sense of priority. Love first. Love first. Love is a muscle that I need to, to grow and exercise and, and put to use. Love is a verb. Love in, it, it involves you know, doing stuff. It gets expressed, doesn't it? Love making choices and commitments. When I feel like doing that, when my feelings are in line with that, and as well as when they're not. As well as when they're not. Still making some of those choices. That's Bible version of love, loving from the heart. Loving the Lord then in this context, loving the Lord, loving Jesus, loving the Father, loving the Spirit is choosing to keep engaging with him, choosing to pray, choosing to thank, choosing to praise, choosing to worship. Yes, when I'm in a, in a good place and, and things are riding high, but equally when things are not, when life is tough, when life is painful, as it is for all of us in different times, in different ways. Actually, friends, loving when it's not so much painful as just meh, and my heart, you know, my, my, my sense of feeling, maybe even in here, coming in Sunday, meh, just that kind of numbness, emotional numbness, it's continuing, we can still love. The call is still to love, to be, who are you people? Well, we're lovers of God. And it's not about whether I feel like it in, in that moment. So many times we just get numb, we, don't we stop caring about things that we even care about. Hill, Hill spoke brilliantly about this, by the way, in the context of worshiping the Lord this morning. I encourage you to, to listen to that message. And I'm not saying emotions aren't involved. We love it when our emotions are aligned with uh, our commitments to love. But this first love, this loving with all our heart, is not about an immature, emotionally driven thing. It's a maturing thing based on commitment, based on covenant. His to us and then us to him. We put a ring on Jamie and Anna's finger. Are they always going to feel in love with each other? Well, we pray that they will, but no, they won't. But their rings remind them that God has 
shown them faithful covenant love and always will. And they are to love each other in that committed covenant way based on promise, based on commitment, not actually based on feeling. And we're called the same to the Lord. So in John's revelation, there's this bunch of believers there gather there and there's three, three things. For this bunch who seem to have mislaid their first love in the busyness of life, in the distractedness of life, of church life, it's not that they've, you know, they've, they've fallen into massive sin and stuff, they're, they're doing okay. Does that describe any of us here? But there's just something about the, the first love that's gone missing. So there's three things, quite quick. Uh, the, and, and here they are. It's uh, verse five. I'm not sure if I've got it on the screen, actually. Uh, rem- three things. Remember where you've fallen. Sorry, remember from where you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. That's, that's the message that Jesus gives to this church that is, is lacking in love. It's kind of misplaced love. Remember from where you've fallen. Well, it may be today that you haven't fallen in in terms of your love. You might be absolutely riding high. You're bouncing off the ceiling. Your heart is full of love. You're full to bursting point. I used to ask a friend of mine, how are you? He said, so so fantastic I could burst. That might be you. You might be there. Well, praise God. Good for you. Bless and minister to somebody sitting next to you. It may well be that you're still exploring things this Christian faith and and all that goes with it. You're not sure that you've ever experienced the love of the Father in the way that I'm describing it. Could I I say that I've experienced that? I think I've heard that God loves and that God is love, but I'm not sure I've ever experienced that in any felt way. Well, great. That's fine. Good for you too. Good for you that you're here. Good for you that you're on a journey. I want to commend Alpha that Andrew's described. It, actually, even as we end tonight, I'm going to pray that there's an opportunity for us to experience the love of God for the first time. If you're up for that, then, then, then respond. But I think some clearly will, here will identify with having a, a heart love for the Lord that has gone cool, that you're more distant than perhaps you have been at places in the past. Your affection has dimmed a little bit. I have known many seasons of my life, sadly, where that is the case where um, the fire has just kind of has dwindled a little bit just to, to a faint glow. Or in, or in the, the, the image from Narnia, you know, the statues that are sort of thawed and, and frozen and cold, and it seems that they're just a bit lifeless. And in that place, I, I used to berate myself about that, by the way. I, I'm the guy who had the religious parrot that would scream, Tim, you've got to, there's something wrong with you, try harder, do more. That was as if that was the solution to that issue. I don't, I don't think that's so much the issue anymore, but nor is the, nor is the response, well, Lord, I, I can't do anything about that. You've just got to do everything. I, and you just sort of sit around, lazing around, waiting for the thunderbolt to strike and, and, and sort of set you on fire again. Well, friends, I think there's a, there's a more biblical middle position to this. I don't want to slide into uh, one, of, one of those two things. And profoundly, I do believe that the Lord has, has a, a, the major part in this. I do believe it is the Holy Spirit's work to set us on fire again. I hope you believe that too. We can't set, you can't set yourself on fire. You can't baptize yourself. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. The Holy Spirit, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, was a beautiful book written by a guy called Jim Simbala. It's a prayer that I pray regularly, and especially in those seasons, and maybe you're in one right now. Fresh wind from you, Lord, to breathe on me. Fresh fire to, to stoke the embers. If that's where you're at, make that your prayer. Make that your prayer. And that's the Holy Spirit's part. But there's a part that we play too. Sure, of course there is. And, and, and Jesus reminds us here of what it is. Remember, we need to take responsibility for our own stuff, to acknowledge where we're at, bring that stuff before the Lord. The temptation is always to run away when we feel rubbish or numb or far from God. The temptation is to go even further. Well, guess what? That makes it worse. 
We acknowledge it. We, we share it. We bring our stuff to the Lord, even if it feels like the, that the conversation is bouncing off the ceiling. This is where I'm at, Lord. Not feeling very much right now, but I'm going to push in, but I'm going to continue. So like the Ephesians, you might be doing plenty of things, might be making better choices, healthy choices, but that fire of desire is on a low burn. And there's a little, little sense of, of, of a walking with Jesus kind of relationship, walking close with Jesus. That wouldn't describe where you're at. Well, it's all about relationship, and we want, we're yearning for that. You know, I, I'm married to Hills, and it's fine that, and right that we, we share a, a house together, and we sleep in the same bed, and we do the chores, and we, we try and parent our children, and now our grandchild, um, and we pay the bills, and we do all of those things and th- that are kind of functional, but does that add up to a kind of heart relationship? Of course it doesn't. So much more involved in that. Loving God with all my heart is not just dry transactions. And the Lord is saying, so remember when it wasn't. Now, maybe some of us can't remember that because we've never had that experience. We'll come to that. But look back. Remember when you had a touch of the Lord. Remember, Jesus is saying to, to this bunch of people, remember, prioritize. Remember those times where you prioritized dwelling with the Lord and, and, and good things happened. In my own case, by the way, just one of the things I find incredibly helpful is to keep a journal because it really helps me to look back. It really helps me with the remembering. Longest memory is still, or what is it about short pencil being longer than the longest memory? You write stuff down. You can look, oh, yes, Lord, you did that, and you did that. You did that, and I was grateful for that. And we see that, that story of God being woven into our lives. And we need to have our experiences of the Lord. There was an old saint who was asked, how come you keep going so, so much? And you don't seem to have lost your fine. He told the story of this dog, his dog, that was chasing a rabbit. And then eventually some other dogs joined in the chase and they chased the rabbit too. But after a while, the other dogs got tired and they sort of gave up. And he said, why did, why did those ones give up? And this dog didn't, it kept going. He said, well, that was the only dog that saw the rabbit. In other words, that's the only one that had the first-hand experience. You can't have a second, if you have a second-hand, third-hand, fourth-hand experience, you can't. One of the great things that John Wimber said was, God's got no grandchildren. You can't borrow the faith of somebody else. And we need experiences, our own experiences and encounters, and, and uh, for, uh, the, the kind of stand-up ones as well as the ongoing encounters, and we need to be pressing in for that and praying for that. And it's so easy to get disillusioned. Why? Because the enemy wants us to be. Because when we're disillusioned, we drift away and not towards. And he's saying, no, remember. He's saying, repent. And sure, repent is this big word, huge word, getting on our knees. I love that at the moment that the Holy Spirit of God seems to be speaking to his church in this nation uh, about all kinds of things, of course. But there seems to be a re-emphasis on humility, a re-emphasis on getting on our knees, on being prayerful, on being real, on acknowledging where we're messing up, bringing our stuff before the Lord in genuine sorrow. And it's so beautiful that it's the kindness of God that leads to that. It's not the harshness of a celestial headmaster beating us up. So you get on, you know, you do, you, you get messing it all up. It's the kindness of God. It's his grace that brings us to that place. Because it's in that place that good things happen. So repentance, sure, it involves all of those things. Acknowledging our, the weakness of my affection. The coldness of my heart before the Lord, maybe. And he's highlighting so much of that. We're going to be doing a series around the holiness of God, the, the, the fear of the Lord that is, is so key to, to, to this Christian life. But somebody said, repentance, of course, it goes beyond that. It's about a change of mindset, too. It's, it's the turning around. It's the confession of where I'm at and what's, you know, what's 
the, the stain on my heart that sin causes and the realization that sin sucks, it hurts me and it hurts others. And we need to be rid of it. But it's also the mindset that then changes around. If our thoughts, our mindsets run our lives, then somebody said, if, if, if your thoughts are bringing you to this life and you don't like this life very much, well, get some new thoughts. Believe differently. Get your mindset different. That's, where, that's what uh, um, is meant by this beautiful word, repent. I recall seeing a sign in a park. I've told this story once before. There's a, um, in Paris, I used to live in Paris for a bit, and there was a sign in a park, true story, next to a beautiful flower bed, and the, and the sign was written in three, langu- in three languages. In German, it said, picking flowers is prohibited. In English, it said, please don't pick the flowers. In French, it said, those who love flowers won't pick them. And even now, I remember the Lord speaking to me through that, just gently speaking, Tim, is your heart towards me based on that, that kind of duty, obligation, religion, sort of shoulds and oughts and that something? Sort of picking flowers is prohibited. Is it about getting my approval and not stepping out of line? Please don't pick the flowers. Or is your relationship with me one that flows from you knowing my love for you? If you love flowers, you're not going to pick them. Or which one would you rather? In your relationship with the Lord, where would you rather be? What would you rather be responding to? It's the kindness of God. So we draw near. The more sensitive I become to the Holy Spirit, the more sensitive I become to the things that hurt him and hurt me and hurt people. Press in. Last one, redo, says uh, Revelation. Uh, Jesus to, to this Ephesian church that have lost their way in terms of loving the Lord with all their heart. Do again the things that you did at first. It sounds a bit strange, doesn't it? Because if the things that you did at first were a bit dodgy, to repeat them seems like not a very good recipe. And so there's a little bit of kind of interpretation required here, and it's only there for my opinion because it doesn't really say. But I wonder whether they had got so busy, this, this bunch of believers, and so kind of distracted in their way, whatever it, the, the first century equivalent of, of um, you know, mobile phones and, and distractions and social media, whatever that was, I reckon that's partly what, what was going on there. And he's speaking and said, remember what happened at first? Remember that, that those times and moments when you encountered, you first became aware that the Father God loves you. You first became aware that Jesus died for you. You first became aware that the Holy Spirit of Jesus was given and, and brought you to life and, and set all your senses alive for him and filled your heart with love for him and then for others. And you, and you got going in that place and, you were, so, and the, you were so hungry and you were so eager for the more, the things which pressed you, which helped to support you in living like that, the fellowship that you enjoyed, the way that you, you, you engaged with the word of God, the way that you enjoyed the gifts that the Holy Spirit was giving you, all of those things, those, those activities that, that enabled you, that supported this wonderful sense of living loved you seem to have missed some of those you seem to put some of those on the back burner in favor of some other things well you need to redo those you need to go back there's not not rocket science here i could put a bunch i think i might have even got a slide a whole bunch of things like that those kind of things could have filled two slides with that those sorts of things I don't mind what you really call those. You can call them habits or practices or the scaffolding or, or, or whatever. But they're, they're beautiful gifts, actually, that the Lord has given us, and there'll be plenty more. That's 2,000 years' worth of Christian tradition has said, actually, you want to live loved? You want to... Who, who are you people? You're God lovers? Then these are the kinds of things that you need to have in, your, in the equation. For sure. I've highlighted 
worshipping and praying, partly because Hills uh, explicitly went, went, went for those this morning as part of this, and, and Bible too. But they're all good. Just stare at that for a minute. Is the Lord speaking to you about renovating any of those? Not because you should, but because you want your life to flow from a place of being loved. You can be certain of two things. Try any of those, the enemy will oppose you. And all of those don't get any easier. Don't go for the lie that, that somehow, you know, you'll get to a stage where it's, it's natural and falling off a log and, you know, every day that will happen. So what could be more worth going for, friends? To love God with all my heart as a response to his all-consuming love for me. Every cupboard of your life open to him because he loves you. Open for cleaning. Every relationship touched, your love for God, permeating your thoughts and your mindsets in relation to everything, not just stuff that happens on a Sunday or in a, in a building or, or midweek in a life group. And your dreams and how you relate to your job and your colleagues and your studies and your money and how you drive your car and how you dress and the films that you watch and the social media that you consume, all of it, all of it flowing from a place of knowing that you're loved and loving God. It's a covenant love we're called to, commanded to responding to, wholehearted, community impacting. So first, says Jesus, first, 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 love. Amen.